If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 398 of the Severe MMA podcast. We are back. Happy New Year to everybody. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka Shawnee Podcasts, joined today by the Sally March of Irish MMA Media. And you know what? We have an awful lot to talk about today, guys. Uh, the first main proper podcast of the year, although we've had the ball predictions, some of which have nearly already come true. <laughs> better, I'm doing better than last year already. Uh, we had the awards and all that, so hopefully... Um, all of that content went down well, and, and everyone enjoyed all of that content, but we're back to talking about the weekly grind in MMA, and I suppose there's a lot to talk about uh, this week, so let's get into it. Before we do all that, we must say one, two, three, happy new year from our friends over at Manscaped. The ball is officially dropped, but do- that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023. Whether you had a New Year's kiss or not, the leaders in Below the Waist Grooming have got you covered for your much-needed uh, resolution of bringing a sexy back. Join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer if you go to manscaped.com and use the co- promo code SEVEREMMA, S-E-V-E-R-E-M-M-A, for 20% off and free shipping. Uh, let us have a toast for a new year and a new you and a new you with no pubes. Um, so Manscaped are absolutely brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. They're the global leaders, as I said, in blow the waist grooming. And this year, take your package to the next level with their performance package 4.0. In it, you have the Lawnmower uh, 4.0, which has the advanced concept technology. Uh, that's for that's for down below now for for shaving down there to 4,000k LED spotlight that will shine up the promised land in 2023. After that, you can use a crop uh, preserver and crop reviver. Uh, which are, are basically deodorant for the balls. So they're absolutely brilliant. I use them all the time. Whenever you're going on a trip away or anything like that, those are the boys to bring with you. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, and if you want something to bring them in, to have the uh, shared travel bag, which uh, you could throw them into, your, you know, your normal travel bag. And uh, the Manscaped also in that package have the anti-chafing boxer briefs, which are free gifts. Uh, and they can all be stored comfortably in that shared travel bag. If you really want to make 2023 the better year to remember, though, make sure to try out Manscaped's wet uh, uh, good as well. Uh, they include the Ultra Premium Body Wash 2-in-1 Shampoo, which I have got there in the last couple of weeks, and I absolutely love, and the body deodorant as well. That body deodorant, that lasts you a long time, because you only need one or two sprays of it, and it lasts you for so long. It's absolutely brilliant. These products are absolutely perfect follow-up for your New Year's gym session. So cheers to the new balls in 2023. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereManscape.com. Manscaped.com, manscaped.com. That's 20% off of free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SEVEREMA. Time to feel sexy and free this 2023 with Manscaped. Right, Graham, uh, 
let's get into it. I suppose, as I said, we have a lot to uh, we have a lot to digest, a lot to talk about from the uh, from the what, what have we the fifteen days of uh, of January so far. It feels like it's been about fifteen years with all that has happened. We have kind of a list of things here, so we're going to go through um, some of them. First of all, though, Graham, did you miss MMA? We were gone from it now for a good while. We haven't recorded a Severe May podcast in probably, uh, maybe not a month, but around that. We obviously, we did once to, to keep us going and stuff. Did you miss it? Like, were you were you yearning for MMA? Were you wor- yearning to watch fights while, while uh, you were away for the month? Um, no, not really. I was kind of happy to take a little bit of a break. I didn't really watch or listen to that much stuff. I, I saw, like, little bits. Uh, I was on holiday as well, which kind of helps as well, distract yourself. But, um, no, I wasn't, like... Uh, you know, on a Saturday night, missing missing the UFC events. Although, you know, uh, I think I think probably in the past maybe I would have, but uh, I just think we have so many shows now. Where, you know, we've talked about this a lot, and you know, uh, the UFC isn't isn't um, uh, like you know a must watch. You, you kind of cordon off that weekend every every two or three weeks and make sure you're there for it. And if you miss it, you're missing a lot. Now you can kind of. Uh, you can catch up even even if there is UFC events on. You can catch up on a lot of them. So I think that must watch kind of feel has been gone now for the last last few years. Uh, I think that's pretty yeah. pretty um, you know uh, inevitable with the amount of shows and the kind of the model that they've gone to. The model that Dana White always made fun of the boxing model, where you know it's like a main fight and a bunch of nobodies. Uh, the way he used to phrase it, and you know, and now the UFC sometimes doesn't even have the main event <laughs> to to you know, bring the eyes and the big hype and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely understandable from the monetary sense from the UFC and with the ESPN deal and all that. But for the UFC being an unmissable event, every, every you know, the pay-per-views even, like, sometimes now people don't even know they're on. And, you know, it's just become too much. And I know it has been talked about to death, but uh, if the UFC, you know, if the UFC want to get back to that they're gonna have to stack these they're gonna have to stack these pay-per-view cards and make the pay-per-views like something you can't miss and the pay-per-views are definitely better than the average fight night cards but sometimes you know uh, the standard just isn't up to what it used to be and there's there's also the fact that there's like you know other sports going on and people want to go out and you know it, it's just it's just a different it's the whole different atmosphere around these ufc fights i think uh, in general like i used to have friends looking to come over and watch them and now like people just you know they might they might watch them at home or watch them back or whatever, but people aren't as excited about these cards because the cards aren't the cards aren't as exciting. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I have certain things like like uh, wrestling as well. I don't really watch it much anymore, but I kind of listen to podcasts and listen to people talk back about it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are, who are tuning in here who haven't even seen the fights, where maybe you want to get the results off of us and, and things like that. Um, and I, I just thought it was interesting because we've kind of been gone for a while, and for for my own personal, and it's interesting to you saying that, like. I, I very rarely get time off just because I have to do stuff every week. But I, got, I was able to get a few time, uh, a few days off uh, over the Christmas. And I, I must say, I, I did not miss it, to be honest. Now, is that I didn't miss it or I was glad of the break? Probably more the glad of the break than anything else. But I, I will say one thing, like, sometimes you forget about your love for the actual sport because... Um, 
Last week I was doing so It'll be out next week But the, during this week In the last four or five days I was doing my preview For um, for Sherlock For KSW And there was a few fighters On that that I hadn't Really seen before And I went back And I watched a few Of their fights And I actually like Really enjoyed watching Their fights Do you know when you have We've often talked about that But you know when there's like A break between cars And there rarely ever is now But you We always Oh you need that To like build up the car To, to build the anticipation God I never felt that As much as I felt The reason Because I I really enjoyed Watching those fights You know Building up for the card Next week And I co- I've come into this year In a very positive mindset With MMA In terms of the fight itself Now the outside of it It's very hard to be positive About it But um, I, I, ho- I hope to continue that For another while But it's very very hard Although coming up In two weeks time There's no fights There's literally nothing There's like no UFC No Bellator No I think there might be A PFL challenger But not not really much So maybe that's good To kind of bring us Into February here And you know We're not going to be Overwhelmed with it. And there's a really good Card coming up next week As well So you know Okay we Maybe we didn't miss it That much altogether But maybe this is a good way To be like I, I don't know Those uh, New Year's Eve shows As well I'm just like I can't watch them. It's just like, no, this is not your time. This is my time. This is not MMA time. I didn't see the Cage Warriors one. I didn't see the Bellator one. I'm not going to watch them. It's like, I, I think, and I, I like, I, I think that has helped me love MMA again <laughs> a little bit and, and the sport itself, maybe, or the, the, the fights itself. Maybe not everything outside of the sport. And I think that maybe that's needed. So that's probably a yearly thing now. Don't be putting on any cards around the Christmas time, lads. I'm not watching them. They can fake off. But yeah, as I said, I didn't miss them that much, but I'm glad I'm, uh, I, I'm, really looking forward to the card next week and I'm really looking forward to some of the big fights that are coming up so we'll uh, uh, just on that before you move yeah. on do you think they should have come back with this pay-per-view you know a big card a big kind of comeback do you know to what get things rolling again I think they should have I was just thinking that when you were speaking there right and if they had I think we probably would have spent the last maybe 10 days preparing for it and there would have been pieces coming out and podcasts coming out and all the fact that they had this card first that we saw last night I think we well, were for the media for the media maybe but for the, for the, the general kind of MMA sphere and the fans yeah, and stuff. I I think, look, if it was for the fans, it would. Uh, or, yeah, look, there's two ways of looking at it. I think in general, the anticipation would have built and built and built and built. But also, I think this kind of eases us in a little bit back into MMA. We actually got that break, and now we have the big card next week. Like, I don't think too many people, even us here today, we'll spend a few minutes on the card because there's so many other things to talk about. But I think a lot of people, fans especially, weren't concentrating on that card between, you know, it was supposed to be Gaslam and the Mavov, turned out to be Strickland and the Mavov. They weren't concentrating on it too much. So they actually have an extra week nearly of a break and are getting into the pay-per-view next week. And I'm sure that'll be built up and they'll be mad looking forward to that. So I actually think, I think it's okay and I think it'll work out well. But, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see the anticipation that builds for next week because it is a very, very good uh, pay-per-view. Um, let's uh, let's talk about some of the news. So, look, the biggest... There's, well, there's probably two or three massive stories. The one we'll talk about first here because we talk, we'll talk about Dana White and, uh, and the, the slap and everything in uh, in due course. Uh, we've talked about that. Myself and Harry did a podcast. Myself and Ian did a podcast. Um, but we will speak about it again because it's something that needs to be spoken about. But the breaking news last night, the massive breaking news, the world's UFC undisputed heavyweight former, champion former Francis Ngannou <laughs> was released from the UFC they will not try to match they will not try to sign him back um, UFC were kind of forced to release this news uh, because the uh, I think it was a T-Mobile Arena put up a big banner 
uh, outside the arena with John Jones versus uh, Cyril Gagne for I think it's March 4th UFC 285 as pictures circulated of that very quickly obviously and in the UFC Dana White was forced to kind of announce it afterwards and he explained all the situation with Francis and now he says it, that Francis didn't, didn't want to fight the uh, sounds, sounds like Francis alright <laughs> yeah, sounds like they didn't, didn't want to fight a fucking fight Dodger anyway you just won't fight anybody all that he just wants, you know, he wants to fight fucking. What's the name of that lad from uh, from Team Rhino again? You know the heavyweight. What was his name? Um, Carl. Carl, he's going to shoot pigeons. Oh, Carl Roach. Carl Roach. <laughs> he just wants to fight Carl Roach every week. But yeah, Dana White said he didn't want to fight the competition. He said he offered him the biggest heavyweight contract of all time, more than what Brock Lesnar would have been on. No, he said heavyweight contract. He's like, he's definitely not paying him more than Conor McGregor, I don't think, anyway. So I think that was an interesting note. Um, and Francis, I suppose, moves off into the sunset to fight wherever uh, he will want to fight. Graham, my first, my first thoughts on this, right, are, are twofold. I'll give you my second thought first, I suppose. My second thought, <laughs> <laughs> my second thought is fair play to Francis. You know, he said he was going to do this. He said it wasn't about the money. He said it was about the principle. He said he wanted to be a free man. Um, he wanted to be able to box. He wanted to be able to do whatever he wanted. He wanted to be an actual independent contractor. And if he didn't get that, no matter how much money they offered him, and it seemingly was good money, um, he would not take it. And he hasn't. So fair play to someone for sticking to their morals, sticking to their beliefs and refusing to give up on them at all costs. Right? So I must say that fair play to him. I have a hundred percent admiration for that. My 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 first thought then was ah fuck. You know? Because yeah, fuck's sake. who is Francis Ngannou going to fight? I, I, I'm i thinking about it like there's a few options out there I suppose Ryan Bader or Fedor they're fighting here in a couple of weeks time the winner oh, of that oh, exactly yeah. uh, Anatoly Malyakin over in one championship now that actually wouldn't be a bad fight he's pretty good but Francis is bigger and stronger and hits really really hard so yeah, and it wouldn't be like the name I think a lot of people would know uh, you go over to PFL you have Bruno Capiloza who's very very good but like would he beat Francis I don't think so you have the, the other lads they, they've had a good season at heavyweight like, and, and, and if he does Dejan. lose to one of those Francis does lose to one of those what, where, mm. what does he do from there like that's it and then I suppose you have boxing or bare knuckle FC I I hate bare knuckle with a passion. I just hope that doesn't happen. And in boxing, like, who is he going to box? Like, who? Like uh, Tyson Fury is the big money boxing match, I suppose. But he's going to fight Usyk now. And then he'll have someone after that. He'll have Josh or whatever. He was just, you know, he was just kind of carrying Francis along. And now the fact that Francis isn't the heavyweight champion anymore, um, and there will probably be a new heavyweight champion by the time he's even talking about fighting again. Like, does he have the same leverage? Will he be able to earn the same amount of money? I, I just don't know. So, like, I hope he does, and I hope his thing pays off and all. I just don't really see the option out there. Like, for, it's pretty clear, and I've said it for a long time, that Tyson Fury just used him to 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 basically say, oh, this is my next option, I'm going to fight him. I don't have to fight Joshua or Wilder back in there, whoever it was gain himself a bit of leverage, use Francis's name, and Francis played along, you know, with the, to, to, to Tyson Fury's uh, uh, tune, I suppose, and we saw where it went. Like, to... 
Well, like Francis did parlay that into a big offer by the sounds of things. He but did. then he didn't take the offer. And yeah. now he's, you know, it's all well and good, as you said, sticking to your morals and all, but like Dana White holds a grudge and like what's out there, as you said, not much. If he goes into boxing, I know he's got big power and all that, but like if he goes in against one of the top guys, I don't see it going well at all. Um, yeah, there's... It's a bizarre move um, all around. Like, you know, the UFC, obviously, I know why, why they're doing it, but, you know, like even really if he the heavyweight champion of the world, you know, yeah. people will move on and forget about it. But Francis is like, you know, a scary looking guy, big, muscly, has an unbelievable backstory. He's kind of perfect, really, like, and he could have become a bigger star and uh, in the UFC. And now that's all gone down to fucking the gutter. And now he's, now we're talking about who the fuck's he going to fight. And if he does fight, it doesn't really, if he fights any of these guys, you mentioned the fight's not going to matter. And if he loses, then he's fucked uh, even worse. So, yeah. uh, it's just, uh, yeah, we need to get Cole Conrad back. It's the only solution. <laughs> we do like, there is one solution, and I'm not sure if he's uh, uh Jardeep Singh. <laughs> That's the one. But, uh, Brock, Brock Play the music. Brock Lesnar's the one. Like, is he still under contract with the UFC? If he's not, and they could manage to make that fight somewhere, that would be absolutely massive. Absolutely massive. But I don't, I don't think that's um, that's a thing that's possible. The, the thing I would say about boxing, right, even if he does, let's say he fights Tyson Fury fights in the next fight and he wants kind of a warm up Bobby fight. Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley, is he still going? Is he, he is, still in WWE? He is. He just came back there recently. But like, if he gets one boxing match, he's only going to get one boxing match, right? And okay, he might earn a lot of money from it. He might earn like three million, five million, or whatever. But what's he going to do after that? Like, where does he go after that? Is he just going to go back to the UFC? Maybe they will take him back after one boxing match. But if he loses, that's not going to happen. He will lose. He's not he going to get a second contract If he has to come crawling back, yeah. you guarantee that. It's, I, I don't know. It's just a bizarre situation. Now, you'd hope there is something concrete there. You'd hope there is a big offer. Maybe it is from one championship. Maybe it is from Bellator. Scott Coker put out a thing last night again saying that he'd be interested in signing him. Of course he would. But do Bellator have enough money to sign him? Like, PFL seem to have a lot of money. Would they, do they have enough money to sign him, same with one championship? You know, he must have some kind of big offer on the table if he's turning down, like, if we can believe Dana White, which sounds ridiculous, um, that he was offered more than than. Lesnar or whatever uh, got so yeah and Ganu must have some pretty like close to concrete offers uh, on the table if he's turning down that like you know all about like morals and all but this is prize fighting he's he's 36 which isn't that old for heavyweight but you know a couple of couple of bad fights go your way you lose your chin a bit and you could be kind of finished at the top level so like MMA is a rough game and maybe he wants to make money now while he can and all that so yeah, turning down that money he must have some kind of big offer on the table but like you know, I hope he does, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's definitely, it's definitely a worrying time as a as a, if you're a fan of Francis Ngannou. And it's a weird one as well because it's at heavyweight, and I mentioned some of the the possible people he could fight there. And obviously, you know, maybe the Brock one, but Brock's probably still under contract with the UFC, so that's probably not even possible. But like Maliak, and I know a lot of people like him, and it is a good fight. I'd watch that fight. I'd watch any of the fights, but there's none of them stick out to be big, massive fights. Like you even see during the week, AJ McKee resigned with Bellator when you know there was obviously talks over the last couple of years that oh, we'd love to see him in the UFC and all this, and even Dana White said it at one stage. 
I think everyone's probably a little bit disappointed, but still, you're going to see AJ McKee possibly fight uh, against uh, Usman or Magomedov. You're going to see him fight against Patricio, I think, coming up. You might see him fight against Patricio uh, again if he goes back down or if Patricio comes back up. You you know, you'll probably fight, see him fight against uh, uh, Mansoir Bonoir, whose name I always fuck up. So there is really good fights out there for someone like that. Or let's say Amanda Nunes left, she could fight, say, the Kayla or Cyborg again, or, you know, if even if, say, Izzy left, he could fight um, against Musasi or Eblen or Fabian Edwards. Just good fights out there, fun fights for all of them, and in lots of different divisions, even shitty ones like Middleweight. But for Francis and Heavyweight, it just and because he's such a level above. Like if Derek Lewis left or someone like that, I think there'd be good fights out there for him. He could get him. Derek Lewis versus Bader would be a fun fight and all. That. But for Francis, the very top of the top, it isn't. Like the top of the top is is Gagne in that rematch. It is John Jones. It is Steep and in, in the trilogy or whoever is coming up. It just it doesn't seem. And there's some good. Not to, to say there isn't good people outside of the UFC and heavyweight because there there damn sure is. But on Francis's level, I I, I don't think so. So. Look, I there's, hope there's definitely there's definitely no fights that are there that are like legacy defining, like yeah. John Jones beating John Jones would have been, or you know going out there and five six title defenses as heavyweight champion never been done before, never come close, stuff like that. It's that stuff's now out the window. You know what I mean? <laughs> Unless you know, as you said, he takes one boxing match and the UFC accept him back or whatever, but that that seems unlikely to me um, in the in the near future. But yeah. Um, it's definitely a shocking, a shocking turn of events, in my opinion. I thought, like you know, all the stuff's played out in public. It's just negotiation back and forth, uh, trying to get the deal done or get done in the end because of the lack of options uh, for Francis outside. But yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, as I said, that there's some kind of big offer on the table there, and he can make a lot of money and you know help out his his you know family and friends or whatever generational wealth, as they say. But yeah, I'm I'm yet to be convinced that it, this is the correct move. And as you said at the start, like fair play, sticking to your principles and all. But sometimes, you know, pride can can get in the way. Indeed, like you would think that this would be the big money fight. This would be the fight. I like, I'm, I'm, like I'm not I'm not defending the UFC or anything. No. Like I'm all for the fighters getting paid more. But I just, mm. you know, this is the thing about I'm worried about. Francis won't get paid more. Won't get paid even close to what he would be making if he had a signed uh, lucrative deal with or, the UFC. And or gets and, paid once and never again. That's I think that's probably a bigger yeah. issue because like. Yeah, that's it's. Uh, but it's uh, look. I hope he does. I really, really hope he does. I hope he gets paid five million for his next five fights in a row. It'll be actually. Maybe he's sticking this shit. Maybe he just wants uh, one or two more huge fights, uh, loads of money, and get the fuck out of there. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Fighters retiring earlier than than before. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's been through enough shit in his life and he doesn't need this shit. But yeah, unless it's that, then yeah, I don't know about this move at all. Indeed. Um. Let's talk about John Jones versus Cecilia Gagne. I suppose we'll be talking about a lot about it over the next while. But to me, even above, and I've said this, this isn't just because Francis is gone or whatever. I'm not, I'm not drawing the, the UFC line here or anything, but that's the fight to me. That's the best fight in the world you can make in MMA. And it's funny, we did over in Sherdog, we did this thing. It, we it, it, to see. It, it, it's the best one. fight you can make, but maybe this fight could be pretty boring. Um, Do you think so? It could be. Yeah, it could be. Like, you know, the Francis John Jones, one I think had less chance of uh, of being boring and it's kind of like more of a clash of styles and things like that but you know I could see this this being very you know cagey I don't don't know like you never really know what to expect from John Jones and how much effort he's going to put in how much camp how much you know extra extracurricular activities he's going to engage in uh, before the fight and things like that so there's definitely a lot of questions there but 
like I could see a world where this comes out and this fight isn't, uh, you know, isn't uh, one for the ages, like maybe on paper it seems. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it'll probably be five tactical rounds if i'm being honest but like and will people be oh this is brilliant we finally got the super fight people be like this was fucking shit yeah, that could happen i think that's maybe a, you know large maybe. enough possibility i don't i don't know i don't think it will though to be honest i i, I don't know maybe i'm wrong man I, i'm usually on your side of t- things like this we've seen it with adesanya a lot recently but the difference between i think a lot of those fights and this fight is this is the apex of MMA. This is, in my opinion, the best heavyweight in the world. I, I like that fight against um uh, against Fuck Gagne you, was, Francis, You're all news. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very close fight, and I think Ganya is going to improve and get better after that. And I think okay, if he's not the best, he's up there. And John Jones, you know, the, probably the, the second or third, fourth, maybe greatest fighter of all time. Some people think the first, you know. So this is the apex of MMA, and like we, when we see a close fight at that. I have no problem with it, like, and I think a lot of people will understand it. A lot of people will be excited by it, and I, I just think it's going to be such high level stuff. I'm really excited. I'm also interested to see how John Jones looks. He's not only has he been three years out. Before that, it felt like not necessarily the game was passing him by, but that he needed to adjust to the new wave, I suppose, of MMA. And if he fights a points fighting only match against Cyril Gagne he's gonna be in big big trouble here because Cyril can do that better than anyone plus he has that heavyweight size and power and he can move really really fast now maybe Jones uh, wrestles and things like that we can talk obviously we can break down the fight as it goes but god almighty this fight this is everything you would want in MMA like it really really is I I absolutely can't wait for it so I suppose every cloud has a silver lining but yeah this is uh, this is the one for me and it, look it's what a massive fight it is for the UFC as well because if John Jones becomes their heavyweight champion, he's been out for nearly three years or whatever it is, I'm sure he'll be raring to go again as quickly as he possibly could. So you could have, uh, and they have agreed a new eight-fight contract with John Jones as well, Then Hawaiian announced that last night. You could have John Jones now having a good few fights a year, especially if he gets few for, uh, through the first couple of, of uh, opponents, because... I think once you get through Cyril, if you do beat him, and once you get through maybe Stipe, there isn't a lot coming after that. <laughs> there, really, there really isn't. A, no, there's a few. Don't don't get me wrong, but I I think yeah, uh, I think it'll be a good time for John Jones if he can get through the first two and a big time for the UFC. So it, it's interesting. We'll we'll see how um I suppose we'll see how that goes, and we'll see um. Uh, we'll see how what what we had a cookie crumbles over over the next while yeah. with uh, with that. But it, like it is great to have John Jones back, and like as I said, there's loads of questions around him, but that makes it even more interesting to me. You know, has John Jones just been coasting in these other fights because the opponents, you know, didn't light a fire under him? He, you know, he won loads of title fights at uh, at light heavyweight, and maybe that was part of it, or maybe he's just not quite as good as he was, or maybe the years of, you know, partying and all that stuff has taken its toll on him or maybe his heart just isn't in it anymore. You know, there's loads and loads of questions around him and, um, you know, <laughs> you don't want to come out kind of half arson it against somebody like Cyril and if he does, it, it, you know, it could be a, a really bad uh, comeback for him. You know, three years coming back is not easy. Like, how long has he actually been, how much time of the, the three years out has he actually been spending in the gym working on his MMA? You know, it all came very easy to John Jones throughout his uh, career, just 
beating everybody with ease and, you know, uh, going out there and taking down Daniel Cormier in the first round and, you know, in a, after a camp, he didn't really take fully seriously and all that. So hopefully he comes, you know, if John Jones comes out ready to prove himself as the, the best to ever do it and all that stuff with that attitude and with that work ethic put in, in the gym and all that stuff, like this could be a really exciting run, but I just, I'll have to, <laughs> with John Jones, you just have to wait and see. That's like, that's the ideal thing. You know, uh, we'd love to see, can he, can he still get back to the top and be as dominant as he was when, when he first broke through and do it with such ease or has the game passed him by a bit, like you said, or you mentioned uh, as a possibility. So yeah, uh, I think, you know, for me, the, the most interesting part of all of this, even though that's a, it's an unbelievable matchup, uh, is John Jones' side of things and how he's going to look and, you know, what his his um, mindset is and what actions he takes and is he taking this seriously and, and all that stuff. That's what's really interesting to me, even though obviously the fight is really interesting too. 100%. I'm, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And I think you're absolutely right. Can, can John Jones be the same? Not, not even be the same. He needs to be better, I think. Because if he's the same as he was in his last two fights, Cyril Gagne will beat him. He absolutely will. So John Jones needs to come back with no ring rust and be better. So it's a big task, but uh, there probably isn't anyone you would bet on being up to it as much as you'd probably bet on John Jones. So let's see, uh, let's see how that works out. Uh, let's move on, Graham. And let's talk about this Dana White situ- situation. Um... You know, I'm sure everyone has heard about it now. We've done a couple of podcasts about it. Um, obviously, in, uh, in the turn of the new year, Dana White was involved in in an altercation with his wife where, you know, he, they were in a nightclub. He kind of grabbed her hand. She slapped him. He slapped her back once. He slapped her back twice and then kind of walked her down as the video was kind of um, shutting off or, or being un, unwatchable, I suppose. Um, and look, we've seen all the fallout since then which there really hasn't been much of, to be honest. He, uh, almost before the video was released, uh, was on TMZ talking about it, laughing and joking with the, the presenters who were trying their absolute best to... Oh, that was the fucking worst. That was ridiculous. fucking whatever media or journalist or whatever. They were like, ah, sure, you, you know, you had a few drinks. You probably don't yeah. remember anything or, you know, just trying to give... Dana was actually, you know, Dana did a terrible thing. Uh, like, we were always brought up, or most people in most decent people are brought up. You never hit a woman like a man is, you know, uh, meant to walk away and all that stuff. And you should never hit a woman, even if, even if she hits you first and all that. And Dana's there actually trying to like, yeah, say, Dana oh, no tried, Dana. And they're like, Oh, why you were drunk and you were, ah, you know, they were basically just trying to give excuses. It was just like, I was actually fucking cringing watching the, these so guys. Bad. Like how do they fucking look at themselves in the mirror? Like fucking hell. Like Jesus, what are these guys doing? It's just that like, Maybe that was orchestrated fully by Dana, but the UFC or whatever. But I, I think those guys are just trying to keep that relationship so bad, just brown nosing so bad in the situation, and just absolutely disgusting look by them. And that that was annoying as well. Like you know, the guys they're trying to say there's no excuses and apologize or whatever, and you're you're, you're trying to like make them or you're trying to like feed excuses to them and. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, go on. I just wanted to interrupt and say that. You, no, you're absolutely correct. I was going to say the same thing. The the, the thing about Dana is well, in in the first say two times he spoke, which would have been that interview, and he did a press conference during the week. When you read what he said, he's actually saying kind of all the right things, you know, and uh, which he should, and you know. W- 
some people go and they look for excuses. He, in fairness, he hasn't looked for an excuse. He has said, "I, I will be staying with this for the rest of my life. I should never have done it. You know, my kids are going to look at me and all of this." And and, but then you actually go and you look at him, right? And you look at the interviews. The TMZ one wasn't Dana. It was it was them, as you just very well explained there, Graham. The second one, it felt like Dana a li- <laughs> He he was almost trying to fight back a little bit right while still saying the right things but then last night a few people asked him about it again and he was like why are you asking me about and he wasn't didn't say it but you could see it in his face like why are you asking me about this refusing kind of to answer question not refusing to answer questions but giving one word answers and give answering questions that he wasn't even asked and stuff it's it felt it feels like we have gone two weeks and the way dana white is all already in a place where he's like, ah, that's gone. Yeah, well, that's to, to me, that, that media kind of conference he called was was like, okay, we're going to talk about this now for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever, exactly. and then we're not going to talk about it again. That was the the purpose of that, not to, like, re-apologize. And another weird thing he said, and that was or a few weird things, but, you know, he said, oh, nobody comes back from that or whatever. And he's like, I still believe that. It was like, but I'm not going to punish myself because it's going to, like, harm the company or something. It's exactly. Like, Jesus and, that's- and he's like, oh, I have to live with this. That's my punishment. I have to, like, people, like, looking at me differently and uh, the shame or whatever. It's like, if I steal a million dollars, I don't get to, like, keep the money and no You're a thief, Graham. Oh, You're well, I have thief. to live with myself with <laughs> my million dollars. It's <laughs> ridiculous. One, one of the most ridiculous. You see all the fighters absolutely taking the piss out of him, like uh, Ally Quinta saying he, he wasn't able to get bonuses for, for three, uh, three fights in a row for something. And I think it was Ram- Ramsey Nimjian saying that he was out for two years because he smoked weed. I shouldn't have got the two years as a ban. I should have just had to live with being a weed smoker for the rest of my life. <laughs> the shame. The shame. shame of it. It's, it's one of the most ridiculous yeah, definitely, things. It's definitely like, you know, obviously that's examples where our examples are in slightly ingest and it's different. Like you definitely live with shame, but like people do bad things and they, like, they feel ashamed and, you know, it, it haunts them or whatever. It eats up at them and they still have to serve a punishment. And Dana White definitely definitely had a, like you know a publicly different attitude with other guys uh you know his statements in the past his punishments in the past show that he was like he had talked publicly about you never hit a woman and stuff like this and you know that's uh, obviously we don't know what happened behind the scenes he says he never did it before but you know either way you did it and you did it on camera and by your own logic and your own statements in the past i know dana white like don't believe his lies or whatever but it is a bad look and the fact that Endeavor and UFC didn't come out and or the the parent company didn't come out and like make even a statement when it happened is definitely a bad look come out with some bullshit statement like most companies do but don't just ignore it you know that's the whole thing was handled the whole situation Dana's fucking you know did the terrible thing the whole thing was handled terribly and the the TMZ people were terrible and just just an absolute clusterfuck yeah I, I think just two last points in that what, like what could you have done I, I, could you have come on and go right here is a million quid I'm going to donate it to a woman's shelter or you know something like that could could you have done that would that have helped would that have been a thing now throwing money at a situation isn't the answer but it would have helped it would have been a thing you could have done right you could have said like I, I'm going to speak to people about this I'm going to try to educate myself better I'm going to try to be a better person I, like even if someone else isn't giving you a punishment right you could, you could have done something like that. But also, like, this thing about... this If you had said, right, I'm dealing with my family, um, 
you know, they're not giving me a punishment. I, I, you'll have to ask Endeavor, you'll have to ask Disney about the punishment or whatever, and just moved on from it. But the fact is, he said there, like, as you said there, sorry, about the, his comment about this is going to harm the fighters and all of that. What absolute bullshit, right? What And, and it's bullshit because... You, this whole ship will go down anything. without me, so, uh, <laughs> like, I'm saving you by being here. But they never do anything to help the fighters. If you cared about the fucking fighters, you'd pay them all more money. If you really cared about, you know, protecting the fighters and all and giving them what they wanted and doing what's best for them, you'd allow Francis to go and have a boxing match and come back and get his eight million or whatever it is. Well, I think Dana's chance to do all Nonsense. that has passed. I don't think I don't think he's in as much control as maybe people think he is and you know, the investors and endeavor, the people probably making oh, absolutely. a lot of the but decisions. So like Dana had his chance in the past that he could have done this, he didn't do it, and now I think it's out of his hands to a large extent. But yeah, besides that, I obviously agree with you. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But as you say, I agree with what you said there, but he's making out like he can. Like you look in, in Bellator, Scott Coker allowed MVP to have that bare knuckle fight and come back. He allowed Cyborg to go and, and box. And I don't see how Cyborg's out of contract or whatever situation, but he, he allowed uh, he's allowed it to happen. He's allowed people doing things. Dana White would never do that Like he doesn't give a shit about the fighters He does not give a shit about them And to use that as a fucking explanation Just absolutely A load of bullshit right From a fucking horrible human being And like I think the thing about this as well And the point I've made from the start is is so Everyone can make a mistake right Everyone can make a mistake And you're thoughts when someone makes a mistake like that or do they deserve have the has their past shown that they deserve your understanding and i think for dana white absolutely not absolutely not everything he has shown in you know and okay and not to go full kevin Ayoli, he's done some good stuff absolutely but dana white cares about dana white he's a known liar he's done really bad stuff down through the years and he doesn't deserve it and especially as well in the incident itself when you hit someone once it can be a mistake it can be a heat of the moment. You you can immediately go, oh no, what the fuck? When you do it twice and go after someone like, again, the thing that, that shows such a man was he like he wasn't like shocked at himself when no. Like, if you get hit in the face and you hit back, maybe that could happen in like the fucking yes. split second. Then Absolutely. you'd be like, oh fuck, what the fuck? Yeah, like maybe that could that could be like you know uh, just a reflex or something like that. You know, I'm not justifying if that happens or whatever, but that's a, li- it's a little bit different than how it looked here, where he kind exactly. of went after the grabber. I'm not sure, like. I saw a really grainy version of the video. I don't know. I didn't actually see a second slap. I saw him going to go grab, but maybe that was a slap and I just fucking missed oh, it. No, or was def- I wasn't, yeah, was I wasn't watching it over one. and over again, but he definitely yeah. he definitely went at her again. Not as, not in, he didn't slap her and be like, oh, fuck, what have I done? Yeah. Which was a sign to me that like... Oh, that was the worst sign. Good. Yeah, that was absolutely the worst sign. And as well, his bodyguard was there and didn't... Uh, imagine if someone slapped Dana White, right? What would the bodyguard do? <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they, it just maybe, felt like you know, it was so that, normal. That, like that's kind of not really evidence, in my opinion, because but it's evidence that it's kind of normal. Who's not gonna? If Dana did anything, he wouldn't fucking get involved because he's afraid of him or something, yeah, or needs this job really badly and doesn't want to. You know what I mean? Something could be going on there behind the scenes, or like yeah. that could be a bit like obviously a little pieces add up to to a bigger picture. But that one, I would kind of shy away from a bit and go like the one where he kind of w- went after her. it wasn't like he was going after her to apologize yeah. in my opinion it looked like he was going at her 100%. aggressively yeah without a shadow of it without a shadow of it and like i just the, the the fact that he saw teflon and getting away with it absolutely obviously you know um she came out immediately and said it's a family matter and all so there's going to be no legal proceedings or anything like that no uh 
anything from his employees and he is an employee none of that and even a lot of people coming out backing him up now there wasn't as many people coming out backing him up as, as i thought there would be honestly so that's a good sign i suppose but there was some and even he said himself to don't do that but like this is a thing i think that dana because there has been no punishment because there has been he has done nothing I think this is a question that keeps needing to be asked. And it was weird last night as well. You, John Jones is someone who was involved in a, in a similar sort of incident recently. The fight was announced last night. Okay, maybe give the people the benefit of the doubt who are covering it. That's a question that needs to be asked to Dana White as well. It's like, John Jones is is an alleged domestic abuser or whatever it might be. Uh, how do you feel about promoting him as yourself a known domestic abuser? That's a question that probably needs to be asked to Dana White. You might get thrown on a fucking press conference well, for Dana's it. Dana's just going to reply like, oh, it's alleged, we'll let, we'll let the courts, you know, he's just going to fob it off. I don't think suppose. he is. I don't think he is. I think that's the type of good incendiary question that'll make Dana White fucking mad, which you should be probably doing if you're sitting in that chair. That's your job, like. That is your job to yeah, well, even, even like I was going to say, even if you do ask a question that you know he's not going to answer, it's good to have it kind of asked on the record or whatever. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, all right, we will uh, we'll move on from that. Look, look, there's been loads of crazy stuff that's happened throughout uh, the last while as well. Um, there was ex UFC fighter Chris Carrioza uh, was involved in in a really bad domestic violence um, situation as well. Phil Baroni, Jesus, lo- looks really awful. He is uh, alleged to have murdered his girlfriend. Uh, in a really insane situation I saw a lot of people coming out talking about how Phil Brony has not been in a good place for the last few years and that he's probably yeah, suffering Josh CT Barnett, and stuff who, yeah. you know, who's, who's kind of a no-nonsense guy coming out on Twitter and saying that he used to be close to him friends with him when he saw him the last few years he was like a, a you know different person completely out of control something like I'm paraphrasing massively here but yeah you know that sounds like brain damage or you know maybe it's not maybe he's just out of control for other reasons like substances stuff like that probably doesn't help but you know some some of these guys who are in a lot of wars and stuff we, we might be unfortunately seeing more of this going forward which is you know yeah a really really sad thing we see it in the nfl you know sometimes as well and and stuff like that but yeah it's, it's obviously a really really sad situation and, and if if these guys did it and when it looks like you know looks like there's a lot of evidence for it. like, i've seen in the brownie one anyway but it's sad that they're that their you know loved ones are getting the blunt of their of their kind of punishment they've taken it, it seems like you know maybe i'm wrong or maybe it's nothing to do with cte but I'd be surprised personally if the CTE definitely or CTE wasn't playing at least some factor in in this even, kind of thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. Even even if it's not like the say the mental side of being retired or whatever. Like Sean Strickland said it last night afterwards. He's and you know Stephen Bonner obviously passing away was another horrible thing yeah. that's happening last night. Sean Strickland said it last night. Like these guys are released from their contract and they're never thought of again. You know, and whether it's from the fans or whether it's from the U- the UFC and all that, now it should. And from this point that I'm about to make, it's from the UFC and Bellator and everywhere that there should be some sort of aftercare for these people. They should be allowed, like even if it's okay, you can come to the UFC PI if you've had more than five fights in the UFC, and we have you know a psychologist here, or we have medical people that you can come and you can talk to and allow that for life. If you have had a few fights in the UFC or maybe ten fights or whatever it is uh, in the UFC, but if you have given something to the UFC I feel like it's for life 
those brain cells that you have given. So what they should be giving you back is something for life as well. And they have plenty of money to do it. And they should be doing that. And like, could... Is that going to stop all of these incidents happening throughout the years, as you said, with the NFL? No, absolutely not. But if it prevented one, wouldn't it be fucking great? If it prevented two or three, or like, this is something that really needs to happen. This is something that the UFC especially needs to be held to account over, and it's something that has to be uh, improved upon. Like, even if it's CTE and brain health and all of that, absolutely, that's tantamount. But also just the mental health and, you know, keeping people on, on the, the straight and narrow so that, things like this don't build up and up and up over time and something like this happens it's absolutely it's absolutely tragic you know it's absolutely tragic all of these different incidents we just spoke about like uh, they're they're connected in a way and and it's it's you know it's it's so tragic it's so so sad that that all of these things have happened and obviously we'll mention again Stephen Bonner Graham uh, we'll probably do a career retrospective on him at some stage but a guy that was from tough one you know, one of the most important fights in the history of mixed martial arts seemed like a real fun guy, and it seemed like a wacky guy down through the years. You know, even going into Bellator in the past, but I always put on fun fights. I suppose like the the tarnished people would have on him that he failed the drugs test, but he was gone out of MMA at that stage. He was going pro wrestling. Yeah, he was pro wrestling, and he got a late call as a yeah. replacement or something. I wouldn't it's like that's unfair. not the same as as other other no. PD failures, in my opinion. Yeah. What, what what did you think of Stephen Bonner down through the years? He was always a guy. I, I had great respect for and and uh, admired as a fighter. He always put on fun fights, didn't he? I think, like, you know, obviously he's a legend because of that Forrest Griffin fight that kind of, you know, got the second season of Tough and got the UFC kind of uh, going and in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe, you know, something else would have happened and they would have got there in the end. But the way the story ha- played out, that was a huge pivotal moment and they'd always be remembered for that, you know. Uh, he may not have been the best fighter, you know, technically or, you know, the most exciting, but as you said, he always kind of gave his all in the cage. And back then, back when uh, in his kind of initial run in the UFC, that got you, um, that got you a long way. That obviously was exciting for the fans and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe when he went on to fight the tech, the technicians like Anderson Silva, we saw what happened, but, you know, uh, even the John Jones fight, there was definitely a, um, a level, but you don't have to be the best fighter in the world to be like, have a huge impact on the UFC, which, which he obviously did. And, you know, it's sad. And, so many fighters, you know, in bad situations after and, you know, dying young like, like Stefan Bonner kind of out of nowhere. It wasn't even, you know, uh, maybe if, if other fighters died, you, you might kind of half see it coming. But Stefan Bonner was kind of a bolt out of the blue. And, you know, obviously the the respect people have for him came out, came out and, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, reminiscing over, over the good days. But, yeah, another kind of sad ending to a to a great career and it seems like a very influential career anyway. And it seems like, you know, this is happening kind of far too often. Like, you know, we were talking about bad incidents with with fighters there um, a few minutes ago. And now we're like, you know, fighters dying young is another thing that we can probably have to get, we'll probably have to get used to, unfortunately. Victoria Lee as well passed away only 18 years of age. Yeah, not, fucking hell. Uh, details obviously haven't come out on that as well, and the family are asking to, to respect that they don't want the details to come out, so we'll absolutely do that as well. But 
God Almighty, that might be the, you know, the saddest of them all. 18 years of age. Uh, you know, everyone talked about her being the next big thing over in one championship. And you see the Lee family with Angela in massive fights and Christian in massive fights. Um, it's so, so sad. 18 years of age with your, your whole life, your whole career in front of you and all. God Almighty, it's... Yeah. yeah, like, do you think there should be like I don't know, like this is unrelated in a lot of ways, but do you think there should be an age limit of like you know competing? Like, is it at a high level in MMA? Is there like a lot of pressure? Is there like you know your brain is still developing and you're getting hit in the brain? Is there like you know a study that needs to go into that makes into this? Me. Like, I know if if somebody's ready, like I don't want to like be holding them back from being you know making money and being the champion or being you know a contender or whatever, but. It seems like there should be some kind of study there, but I don't know. I'm I seem like I'm being very negative no, <laughs> or talking about negative uh, things on this podcast. It depends on the person. Like let, let's say you look at a talker, look at Wayne Rooney. Like at 16 years of age, that guy was ready. To, you know, he was one of the best players in the world at 16. You look at a guy, say like uh, Jaden Sancho, signed for Man United now, and he's struggled badly since he came to Man United. You know, for a multitude of different reasons, he's had to have a reset and he's like 22, 21, 22 years of age. It, it depends on the person, I suppose. But I, if not a ban, then like some serious care given to those people, really. There should be. And now, as you said, not connected to any of these, but yeah, like it just feels all around an immigrant. We just don't have enough care for these fighters. We do, as the big organization, like if you're fighting in an organization like the UFC or Bellator or One Championship, there, uh, there should be more care put into these people, and and uh, it's. I, I know it's an individual sport, and it's you know they're they're going to be going back to their gym in Hawaii or Dublin or New York or LA or wherever they are, and they're not necessarily connected to the UFC or one championship or Bellator like. You know, uh, Wayne Rooney was connected to Everton or Jaden Sancho to Man United or Nunes to Liverpool or whoever it might be. You know, it, and it's it's it is a very different, but that is something. That this sport, and we myself and Harry have talked about it in Speaker's Corner many times now at this stage, it needs to get better at. We need to be more centralised sport. And the UFC have started that with the UFC PI, and I give them all the credit in the world for that. But that needs to be pushed on. There needs to be more of that, uh, I think. And look, we we live on, on the world of the web now. Why can't you do these things over Zoom or whatever? And, and I, I re- do you know what? I really think if, if every MMA organisation in the world had two, you know... Um, psychologists or psychotherapists, whatever they're called, employed full time, and their job five days a week was to you know have half an hour sessions or hour sessions or whatever with the f- every fighter on the roster or every fighter on the roster that wanted it. Geez, wouldn't that be a great thing for minimal cost? You know, and I really think that's something that really could improve MMA. And now, as I said, unconnected to all of this, but yeah. It's uh, and not only for the fighters that are on the roster, but the fighters that used to fight on the roster as well. But you know, I don't know. Sometimes you with that sort of thing. Do you, you think as long as they're private contractors, there's just no pressure or no, um, you know, um, onus on the UFC to do it? Yeah, no onus on the yeah. UFC to do it. Like it, some kind, I know the union is impossible with that with uh, contractors, but you could some kind of association, whatever, some kind of bargaining pack and just like basic things like some kind of like healthcare after you know three fights five fights in the UFC or something maybe not necessarily one fight or something they can come to some agreement I'm sure you know an agreement could be reached with the UFC you know that's maybe it won't be as good as it should be or anywhere near that but it'll be something definitely better than what it is now 
obviously there's a lot of big egos, big personalities and stuff, but maybe the gyms are going to have to come together and form some kind of association, like the, the major 10 gyms or the major 12 gyms, because we've tried it with fighters and things like that, and it's not working. Uh, you know, it's, it, obviously it takes a lot of effort and it's probably, you know, uh, if history is anything to go by, it's probably going to fail. And maybe pe- people don't want to put in a lot of like uh, hard work and time if it's something that might not work or whatever. But it would be huge for the, you know, the the fighters if uh, collectively, if if they could get some kind of, you know, bargaining entity to bargain with the UFC. Like, uh, uh, obviously it's... um you know, it's going to take a lot of work and you might not be, some gyms hate each other or whatever, but, you know, for the good of the fighters, maybe there can be some kind of agreement come to and somebody, some figurehead can be chosen that everybody likes or, you know, it's possible to do it, I think, and there should be a, a concerted, like, decent effort made at, at doing it, at least, even if it doesn't work, you know. There's probably a better idea than the gyms coming together or whatever, but there there should be at least um you know a, a round table done where they they throw ideas and try to make it happen because as long as there's no pressure on the UFC, there's no onus on the UFC, it's not gonna fucking happen out of it's out of fucking thin air. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's it's a conversation as I said we've had in speakers corner lot, but I think that everyone needs to be having this conversation an awful lot more. And, you know, these are the important things. You know, we often talk about judging and we talk about other things and people act like that's the biggest problem in MMA. But this, things like this, these are the fucking biggest problems in MMA and things that can't be solved, right? And it's just, just because something can't be solved it don't mean we, we can't try anyway or try to do something to make it slightly better. And I think a few of the ideas thrown out that definitely could. But look, we'll... We'll see if it happens, but one thing for sure, we'll keep talking about it here and, and on Speaker's Corner and other places as well because it's it's massively important. Um, let's move on. If any questions as well, I'll be recording uh, on, on Tuesday, I think, the Q&A this week, so, so throw them over there and I will uh, I will answer any of them over on patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. Uh, two things before we get into the fights from last night, Graham. The, uh, the awards, our awards came out. Um, generally, I think it was, uh, it was a good reaction. What, what was your uh, reaction to the reaction, I suppose? There was one or two like messages and uh, people maybe not understanding some of our awards and things. But in general, I think the awards, I think we got them right. And uh, especially the Irish ones. I was happy enough with how they come. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, well, I, I was on holiday, obviously, so I wasn't online as much as I much as I happen to uh, usually would be. But I happened to see a, a few positives and a few a few negatives. But that, that's always to be expected. Um, you know, uh, people have allegiances or are fans of, of other fighters, other fights, other moments, other gyms, other whatever amateurs, prospects, all that stuff. So, yeah, obviously, everybody's not going to agree with everything. But I think you know, having what do we have nine or ten people vote. Um, you know, it spreads it out and makes kind of sure that uh, even if it's a an arguable one that somebody who definitely didn't deserve it didn't win. You know, we, I don't think we've ever we've ever given an award that turned out to be or that we look at now and say, oh, that was wrong, like undeniably wrong or whatever. So obviously, yeah, opinions. Everybody has opinions, and you know, uh, people like to some people bringing up things like, oh, but in jujitsu or in this and in that and. It, this gym didn't do well or whatever it's, it's nothing to do with mma so it's a lot of the the kind of um the backlash over that was was basically misplaced and kind of 
misunderstanding what the award was and things like that so yeah i think you know the, the winners that we got were were, were all the, the wordy winners and there's some you know uh, in the Irish MMA awards there's some exciting times coming for these fighters like Lee Hammond and Ian Gary and people like that like we need these guys to to you know be in big fights and f- fulfill some of their promise and to keep Irish MMA going and to keep the the, the kind of the re not rebirth but the kind of what would you say the yeah, the re-up re- after the after you know the Joe Carvalho thing you know, uh, uh, yeah, and Corona and the show's not being yeah. on and stuff it definitely hit a speed bump there and we're kind of going again and we need these guys to kind of you know uh, make things happen and hopefully hopefully they will and you know obviously it'd be great to have Connor come back in the UFC and things like that but the next generation is really important as well and you know, the amateurs seems to be going very well. The amateur team seems to be going very well. These guys are looking to turn pro now. It's it's an exciting time. Obviously, the old triangle podcast break that down much more than we do. And, you know, it's good to shine light on them and join their journeys before they kind of get to the, the cage warriors, the Bellators, the PFLs, and obviously like things like the UFC. And yeah, I think it's a exciting time for the kind of next generation of Irish MMA. 100%. Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there off the awards, but <laughs> yeah, right I think... I think Irish MMA is definitely uh, on its way up, and uh, hopefully, you know, people like Lee Hammond who won our won our one of our awards. Um, hopefully, it'll be a breakout year for some of them, and hopefully, we'll see more, uh, you know, Irish fighters on on the big show and on uh, PFL and UFC yeah. and things like that. And, and that's obviously we have PFL was announced going to be in Ireland. We'll talk a lot about that uh, over the next while. That's going to be in December the eighth. We have. Uh, Bellator coming up here in, in six or seven weeks time we have Cage Warriors in a few weeks after that as well and you know there'll probably be a second Bellator show so great times ahead for Irish MMA and I, I think as well with our Irish MMA awards are our main ones the spread over the last few years has been great you know from Kikyo from C-Mac winning uh, our amateur fighter of the year this year to obviously Ian Gary who came up through Team KF to where uh, you know he is now over with, uh, with Renegade but also over in Florida as well to you know SVG winning Jimmy Deere this year, FAI winning Jimmy the Year last year, and you know Norman Park has won Fighter of the Year, and Conor McGregor has won it, and um, you know uh, Liam McCourt has won a Female Fighter of the Year, and uh, Sinead Cavan obviously won it this year as well. So there's, I think there's been a great spread throughout, and I'm, I'm happy that's the case as well because everyone deserves to be um, you know to be recognised. So I was thinking one for next year, maybe we could have Irish MMA Fight of the Year because I was looking at that Reese McKee Burlington fight, and I was thinking that. It, that really needed to be told that's another thing maybe that's a, what we bring in for next year because I think that'd be good but I, I like the one problem I think a lot of people had was we voted SBG Ireland as the gym of the year and I can look. I, I can see why people are saying, "Ah, oh, SVG, you know, they've had a lot of losses, or they're, you know, they're not, you know, they underachieve maybe or something like that." But also, like these awards and any awards, I think in MMA should be high achievement, and like there's no doubt about it that the high achieving, the most high achieving gym in Ireland is SPG Ireland you know last year it was FAI because they won two cage wire styles which was unprecedented which was a really really big thing and they deserve to win it SPG this year if you look at Will Flory won uh, the UAE Warriors title um uh, you know Richie Smullen of the title our amateur fighter the our, our, sorry our uh, prospect of the year was Lee Hammond uh, Sinead Kavanagh was our um was our uh, female fighter of the year. Carol Moore won against a ranked fighter uh, in Bellator. Like, there's no other gym in Ireland that have achieved any one of those things nearly. 
You know, apart you know, apart from obviously Paul Hughes winning for FAI winning the Cage Warriors belt, so he'd be up there at one of them. But what SPG have probably five of those sort of things that are you know very very high level. So and there's more as well that, that obviously I haven't talked about there. What's your man's name again? I, I always forget his name. The, the Canadian, um, uh, the Brad Catone. Brad Catone. Yeah, he's the champion as well over in uh, isn't brave, isn't it? As well. So like there's there's lots of things as well. Johnny Walker obviously fighting out of there as well, winning fights in the UFC. Like I, I think if you look at it and be unbiased, and we have to be unbiased, we can't say, oh, you know, we like Team Care we like Rhino, we like all of these people and all of these gyms. We can't just give it to them because we like them. We ha- you have to look at it in the facts. And there's ten people voting as well. And you know, I think it. We, I don't think it. We got it right. It's a hundred percent. There's, there's no doubt about it. Today were the gym of the year without a shadow of a doubt. And I think all the other Irish awards as well. I think, I think they were all correct. I think Shauna Bannon a little bit unlucky because she won so many fights. But the who won the highest level fight of the year without a doubt, Sinead Kavanagh uh, beating Liam McCourt, a ranked fighter in the world. I think she she deserved to win. Lee Hammond looked absolutely fantastic. There's another few people there as well going for that. And obviously, the amateur had a great year as well. So Keith Kyo was a, a worthy winner, but Bradshaw could have won it and a few others as well. Could have won that. Conor McCarthy have a great time for him. I think he's very, very good as well. So there's lots of people as well, but obviously we talked about that. So, uh, But the reaction to that. Um, Jake Paul, Graham. We, 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 we have had like a no Jake Paul rule on this podcast over the last Hold couple of years. Hold on, before you go on, did I, I saw his video. Did Nate Diaz say anything? I, I forgot to check. I, uh, um, did Nate Diaz reply to the thing about boxing? And He put up a, and, and he put up a picture of Risen. <laughs> that, that was kind of it. So no, I haven't heard. Maybe he did, but I haven't heard it. Um, but uh, yeah, so Jake Paul has signed with PFL. And uh, he said he's going to go into their uh, pay-per-view series or whatever that is. He's going to fight in MMA. Then he called out Nathan Diaz for a boxing match, which would be followed by an MMA fight, which I'm like, no, no. <laughs> you box him, you're just going to fuck off and you're not going to have the MMA fight, are you? Especially if you lose, which I, I think I, Jake Paul is a good boxer. I think he probably but he can't do it the other way either, though, can he? Like, he's going to go in there and get fucking murked in an MMA cage and then try to sell a boxing match. Yeah, but you have the boxing match, you win that. Then, you, then there's your one-on-one and you can put a trilogy on. Maybe we could still do that if it's the other way around. But, like, I don't know your thoughts. But he's, he's thinking about the money, though, isn't he? Surely, yeah. like Jake Paul, he's I, doing all of this for money. I don't think he's going to fight in MMA. You know, unless, and I, I tweeted this a while back. Do you know the way he's fighting all them? He can hand-select whoever he wants, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fight, fight an all-boxer in MMA, that's the only way he's going to get a win. If he goes in there against any sort of real MMA fighter at all, he's going to get absolutely destroyed. Look at what happened to Clarissa Shields, like... It's just he's just not going to be able to beat any sort of MMA fighter of any. You know, like imagine Will Flory signed to the European series. Imagine what Will Flory would do. Well, to there's him, absolutely right? no way he'd even contemplate fighting somebody who's actually an accomplished, like ranked, up and coming actual fighter. Like Nate, Nate would destroy him, wouldn't he? Yeah, obviously, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what he's going to do. I, I'm. I hope he fights in MMA. I think it'd be really fun. I'd have a lot of respect for him if he did. As I said, he's a good boxer, and I've I've gained a bit of respect for him in terms of his ability. I hate, still hate this sh- YouTube boxing shit. I think he's kind of got past that a little bit, but he still has obviously a lot to prove. And I very skeptical about whether he fights in MMA or not. But we shall. Uh, I suppose we shall wait and see. Um, any any additional thoughts on that, Graham? Before we move on, yeah, well, like if he does, uh, you know, step in the MMA cage, I will have respect for him. Even like you know, he's a bit of a joker in my mind at this stage, and I think he's just saying whatever he he thinks will you know get him attention, and it's working really well. And you know, fair play to him and all that. But 
you know, if, if, if he if he if he comes in even against somebody who isn't an ATS, somebody who who's an actual MMA fighter and steps in the cage and even gets destroyed, I'll have I'll have respect for him. Maybe if he. <laughs> Maybe if he looks as bad as CM Punk, it might be, uh, you know, only a little bit of respect. But he goes in there and holds his own. He, like, he wrestled in college. He, he can throw a punch and stuff like that. If he goes in there and puts on, you know, a blood and guts fight and loses or whatever, or gets finished or whatever, I definitely still have respect for him. I wouldn't, you know, be laughing at him. I'd say a lot of people maybe are waiting for him to be, waiting for him to lose so they can laugh at him. I wouldn't be like that. But, yeah, I still think, you know, he's just trying to get attention and just talking shit to, to get himself attention and be on your side where he probably won't be in an MMA cage anytime soon. Um, let's talk about the fights from last night. We're only an hour and three minutes into the, uh, the podcast here. We're finally getting to the fights from last night. But obviously, you know, Spencer did a recap. It is over on SevereMail.com. Uh, and uh, the takeaways will be back this Tuesday morning as well with Spencer and Harry giving a full breakdown of all of these fights. But me and Graham will touch on a, on a bit of them here. I suppose from the, the undercard, uh, Charles uh, Johnson looked very good against Jimmy Flick, uh, especially when he got on top. The end of the fight looked really good, but he's, I suppose he's controlled ground and bound. Um, I always love to see a guy like that who can kind of give someone enough room to move a little bit, but also land those shots, those little accurate shots inside, and he ended up getting the finish there. So uh, that was good stuff. Alan Nascimento, you could probably say the same thing about him in terms of uh, his jiu-jitsu, where he you know, was able to get the fight on the ground and was able to get the back very, very quickly. The standing rear naked choke is, is obviously a thing that's always... It, it just feels like it's, it's such... A precipice you're standing on because if you don't tap if you're caught in that you're just gonna like fall and everyone's gonna get fucking knocked out and it's, it's just so weird but he ended up getting the the tap anyway and before that then Argueta defeated uh nika gore via decision as did matthias rebecki against uh, nick fiore um Abdul Razak Al Hassan absolutely shut the lights out on uh, on Claudio Ribeiro with a few big shots as he does every few fights, um, and then we got to I suppose the the big fight tonight, Javid Basharat. Do you know what? I, I was watching this fight back. Um, I I got up and I watched the comment of it in the main event last night. And I watched back a few of the fights afterwards. Basharat, you know, and this is this is a wild thing for me to say. He reminded me a little bit of John Jones in this fight, and I'll tell you for why. Because uh, Mendoza came out in the first round and he was kind of taking him down and he was wrestling him. And then in the second round, Basharat turned around. He started wrestling him. He started getting on top, and he won the fight where Mendoza was trying to win the fight. Um. And that, to me, is a great sign for how well-rounded a guy is. And Basharat just looks so well-rounded. I think maybe his, his striking still looked good last night, but, you know, it was tough to look good in that fight. And he turned it around and he made his wrestling look good. He made his ground and pound look good as well. I was... This was the type of fight where you... Sometimes you see 15 minutes. Like Ian Gary had it one of his fights. You need to see a guy over 15 minutes. You need to see if he can control a fight rather than just... Uh, finish a fight very very quickly and I think Basharat proved that in this one I was very impressed very impressed and I continue to be impressed by Javid Basharat do you, uh, do you like him Graham on yeah, it's, it's like we always say like oh this guy he's 14, 15, 16 and 0 or whatever or has a really good record but we haven't really seen him tested we haven't really seen you know a bit of adversary we haven't seen him does he get tired as the fight go on are there any like kind of fatal obvious flaws in this game and you know, he he got a good winner. He'll have things to go back and work on. I don't I, I don't know about the John Jones thing. I think the John Jones um, 
thing was more to kind of prove a point or to try to humiliate his opponent by beating them where they think he was going to. That's true. Uh, you know, I think he uh, Basho had more made an adjustment to to you know make sure he won the fight and to out of kind of respect for his opponent or even or, or just to, to confirm the or to increase the likelihood of of winning. I think it's a little bit different, but yeah, he, he definitely showed um, you know wrinkles to his game that we would have been questions before. But obviously, there will be big step ups uh, going forward. But it's definitely really promising signs. I just saw a tweet there as, as you were talking. Some, uh, do you know, they were mad at the T-Mobile Arena for releasing Ganya versus um, uh, versus uh, John Jones. Someone uh, someone tweeted that the T-Mobile Arena employee is like, "My punishment. Here's my punishment." I have to live the rest of my life as labelled as the guy who leaked John Jones versus <laughs> Nobody will look at them the same. <laughs> Nobody look at them the same either. Yeah, that's your his punishment. I, I like in the funny that that guy will probably get more punishment than Dana White got, which is a sad situation. Anyway, um, Umar Nurmagomedov then, God almighty, this guy, the left hook from hell. Uh, there was a few good left hooks in this card. Uh, I, I gave this as one of my bets of the week, plus 700 gram to get the knockout. It was only his second career knockout, but this has been coming. This guy can hit, he can kick as well. Uh, in his, one of his recent fights I was watching, and he was talking, uh, obviously, about uh, you know Habib saying if his hands can become as good as his kicks, this guy is going to be an, a legitimate title contender 16 and 0 now I also gave him as one of my best for the year I think it's 70 to 1 to be champion this year I'm telling you he wants to fight again on March 4th I think if he gets a fight in and he wins let's say against a top 5 guy God almighty it'll be hard to keep uh, it'll, hard, it'll be hard to keep him uh, and, and that train from uh, from Roland and Hany Barsolos is a very yeah. very good fighter so I was impressed he looked like he, he came with like an extra kind of point to prove or maybe because uh, Barsolos I think had beaten had beaten like one of the family or, or training partners or something and uh, he didn't beat him but he went to he went oh, to a decision it? with uh, with Saeed Nurmagomedov um, ah, a couple okay, of years yeah, ago yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, he beat Valiev he, though. He, is Valiev is Timor Valiev fighting with him? Maybe, maybe he is. Maybe I'm not, sure. not sure. But he seemed to have a bit more, you know, um, forward pressure to him and a bit more venom to him, even more than anything. Um, Magomedov than than in previous fights, and you know, if he comes out with that kind of intensity and that kind of you know killer instinct when when he did have him hurt there, like you know, maybe your seventy to one bet is isn't isn't you know isn't too far off you know i say the odds have already shifted in a lot uh if, if, you, if you went to check them now you're probably not getting anywhere near 70 to 1 but obviously there's a long way to go and there's uh in terms of the the upper echelon in the division but yeah, very impressive ufc career so far it looks to be improving if he you know that's what three finishes out of four fights He's definitely going to be stepping up now. Next, he seems to have come out pretty, pretty untouched or pretty uninjured um, from that fight, so he could get a quick turnaround. Yeah, maybe this year will be a bit too soon, but he's definitely you know one to look out for for future title contention anyway. By the looks of things, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Raquel Pennington and Ketlin Vieira then happened, you know. Um, yeah. Oh God, I don't even know how to score that because it was so boring. Yeah, I uh, hard to pay attention. I kind of forwarded through it if I'm being honest. <laughs> When I saw it was a split decision, I'm like, no, I just, you know what? I don't need that hassle in my life. <laughs> just like, but like, you know, you know, a fight's boring when you find yourself distracted, like doing something. Yeah. Like you're just looking at your phone. Oh shit, yeah. this fight. Yeah. Oh, it's still on. Be watching this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, it's just terrible for the division as well because Pennington obviously has been there at the at the top and fought for the title and stuff. Vieira was the one who you wanted to get to to fight for the title, and that's the danger of putting on uh, a fight like this. So. It just takes away a contender, I suppose, and uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in that division, but I suppose we'll see. Um, the next two fights then, I suppose, showed class, I think. And the two more classy fighters won in both of them, Roman Kapilov. This guy is is very good. Like I thought Soriano had a chance with his power, and he'll always have a chance because of his power. But Kapilov is just such a good fighter. He's like the jab. I, I Everyone knows I love a jab, and the jab here was was something else just absolutely it, it, this wasn't a knockout like this was a destruction you just destroyed him um over what eight minutes 19 seconds just absolutely took him apart piece by piece by piece and you could somewhat say the same about dan Ige against uh, damon jackson although he did get the big knockout uh, in the end with the big left hook I I, I I was very impressed about him very very impressed and uh you know two guys look dan Ige, Daniga, I have so much respect for him, I forget he was in the Contender Series. That's how much respect I have for him. And Kapilov at a, a middleweight, like he's a guy who can rise through that, those ranks very, very quickly because of how poor middleweight is. So I'm interested. Imagine him versus Christian Neeray Duncan. That'd be an interesting fight. I'd, I'd like to see that. But also, I'd like to see Pune Hali Arni Soriano versus Christian Neeray Duncan. I, wouldn't, I don't think that'd be bad. But anyway. Main event, Sean Strickland versus Nasruddin Mavov. Strickland took it on short notice, went in, and uh, won the unanimous decision. Um, it was, again, I think, a relatively close fight, as it tends to be with Sean Strickland. Uh, the first four, uh, first three rounds, I think, were... The first two rounds were very close. I think the third round was close, but Strickland won it. Um, I think Strickland won the fourth, and I think Mavov definitely won the fifth. I think all three judges gave Mavov the fifth. They gave all... all they gave all of them Strickland the fourth and the third as well. They were they all gave Strickland the first and they were split on the second, um, which you know makes sense. The the cards there. Uh, I, I think look, I think Strickland was the better fighter and he deserved to win. Although it could have been it could have been close because that first, as I said, those first two rounds were close. But we've no judging controversy here anyway. Um, I'll just give, quickly give you my thoughts on the fight here. My thoughts on the fight are actually very quick because Imavov came out and did well. He did exactly what you need to do against Sean Strickland at the very start. He kicked the leg. He stopped him from getting forward pressure. He landed the left hook. Those are the most important things you need to do against Sean Strickland. But Strickland is a sparring master, I suppose. <laughs> he loves sparring. He's not afraid to get hit. And he will get back into his game if he's taken out of it. Something which he did in this fight and Imavov couldn't do. The second Imavov pushed Strickland out of his game, Strickland stayed there, didn't panic, and in, in the space of literally about three minutes, got back into fighting his own game. Imavov then, for the next 22 minutes, was unable to get back into his game at almost any stretch in it. Even when he did win the fifth round, it wasn't his game. He was just kind of throwing more, putting himself in a little bit of danger and ended up winning the fight, you know, winning the, the round um, barely, I suppose. Um, and I think that was really the winning and losing of this fight. Imavov couldn't put up with Strickland's pressure after that. When Strickland refused to kind of give in to him, he... Uh, in the, that flying knee or the, the knee up through the middle was or the, the, the head kick like you know John Jones and Daniel Carmia was there throughout the whole fight and he never threw a knee once until the fifth round and you could hear, and I was thinking this oh, is this just me maybe I'm wrong but you could hear Dominic Cruz on the commentary on he finally throws the knee <laughs> you know so he was obviously thinking the same thing as I was and I'm sure many people thinking it's like he's just letting Sean Strickland do a lot of these things which he's wide open for and not paying him back and it turned into Sean Strickland just being able to fight his maybe more safe game without landing too hard or anything like that 
and a big difference here as well is that Strickland's shots the reaction Imavov had to them was way more than the reaction Strickland had to Imavov's shots because a lot of these rounds the, the the scoring was very very close like you this this would have been a fight if, if Imavov would have won it it probably would have been like a bit of an anti-scoring one because like the the general goings of this fight were definitely in favour of Sean Strickland and the look the impact that he had on his strikes was, was definitely more as well and, and I think uh, he won because of that and rightly won because of that but um it was look. It wasn't a great fight. It was it was a light heavyweight fight, but it was one hundred percent a middleweight fight. If you want to put it that way, um, and uh, Sean Strickland deserved it. What did you think of it, Graham? Overall, yeah, you know, it was a Sean Strickland fight. <laughs> you know, he came in and did what he always does, and you know, as you said, uh, 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 he Imamov got going a couple of times in the in the first round, a couple of times in the second round, and then in the third and fourth, it seemed Strickland just had it all his own way. And then when it was already kind of too late on my card, anyway, it kind of swung again in the fifth round. But you know, I'm just it's hard for me to get excited about Sean Strickland in main events because it just seems like a fight similar to this is going to happen, and it does. And you know, it's just not. Yeah, it shouldn't be on the top of a card, even even these fight night cards, in my opinion. You know, maybe in the the meritocracy of the rankings, or if it was a league, but it isn't. And you can put like more exciting fights than this at the top. You know, you a fight that you kind of know how it's going to look. You know, you know who's probably going to win, and you know it's not going to be that exciting. It's just shouldn't be the main event, in my opinion. Should be the main event. Yeah, well, what what do you think should have been the main event on this card? A different fight, like you know, obviously it was a, a short notice one or whatever, and maybe you can make a, a an allowance for that one. But they put John Strickland at the top of cards several times now, and I think you know people are going to start avoiding <laughs> cards that he's the main event, or they'll catch them later, or they're not going to go out of their way to watch them. And yeah, I don't know. I think. Strickland kind of said himself afterwards, oh, I, I fought like a pussy. I'm never going to do that again. But he, he's done it so many times that, like, he, he definitely is going to do it again. <laughs> of course. You know yeah. what I mean? But they, they also, like, just because Sean Strickland talks and he says loads of stupid stuff, they think he's a draw. Like, it, he's oh, yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the numbers on this event, surely, like, they're getting the numbers. Uh, they, I'd be shocked if these were, uh, yeah. you know, not below normal numbers for fight nights. I know. It's, or it's a at, weird at, at most average. Like you have like the the fifth best fighter in the worst division in the <laughs> in the UFC. Like if he was in Barnstormers or whatever, then fair enough, stick him on the top of the, the card, great. But he's not. He's you know he's not. He's just and he's unlikely to ever be. No matter what he says, like you know we've heard this from him before. Oh, I'm gonna go out there and you know put on a show, and he never is. Like so, yeah. Yeah. Fair bless like him. Sparring match, like you know, came in. A, it, it looks is, like yeah. a sparring match. Came in in a week's notice uh, to to replace Kelvin Gaslam, and uh, yeah, yeah. No, in I, fairness, I, you know, I did say this is kind of maybe one you can excuse, but we've yeah. seen him at the top of cards kind of consistently now. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, all right, we will uh, look. We'll have the the preview show for UFC two A three during the week, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk about it in full there. There's KSW card coming up as well uh, next week, which is a very very good card uh, all around. Um, Kindle Grove and M- Michelle Mitterla is on top of that one, but watch out for Radislav Pazuski in the comment event. He's fighting Tommy Romanowski. This guy is. The, one of the hardest power punchers I've ever fucking seen. And he's a big test against Romanowski. I think Romanowski will probably be favourite, but that's a fight I'd definitely be tuning in for. It's going to be very, very fun. But UFC 283 as well. Uh, my guy, Jamahal Hill, is taking on Glover Teixeira for the vacant UFC light heavyweight title, the Quadrology. 
Shout out to Blake Harrison is going down. Uh, Davidson Figueiredo against Brandon Moreno. We have a Celtic clash between Paul Craig from Scotland and Ireland's own Johnny Walker. Jessica Andrade versus Johnny uh, Johnny versus Lauren Murphy. Johnny Murphy. Um, Gilbert Burns is taking on Neil Magny. So it's a really, really good card. Uh, Shogun Hua's retirement fight, allegedly. Terence McKinney is also on this card. My guy, Gilton Almeida, is fighting Shami on this card. Uh, Nicholas Dalby is fighting... This is actually really, really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing this. Gregory Rodriguez always going out there knocking people out. He's fighting an undefeated 9-0 guy in Bruno Ferreira. So really looking forward to it. But the top two, Graham, Figueiredo versus Moreno. Like the, the first three have been absolute classics. The fourth one. What, what do you expect from this? Who do you think will win? Oh, you know, um, <laughs> I think I've probably said the same thing every time. It's a really tough one to call. Um it's probably going to be really close rounds. You know, maybe there could be a finish and it'd probably be slightly more likely, in my opinion, that Moreno will get the finish. But I see this being really close rounds, a really close decision. Um, could go either way. It's a really tough one to call. 50-50, Ledge. It'll be 50-50. I think... If, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, where, do you see a big advantage or a big, you know... Uh, do you know what? I probably need to go back and, and watch uh, watch some of the other fights of ours. Um, I remember, my like, uh, when these things happen, I usually go back to my initial um, analysis of these fights. My initial analysis was Figueredo early, Moreno late, maybe. Um and possibly that's what we should go back to here. Like Figueroa, that power it seems to, it seems to have left him a little bit, I suppose. But he's when he's fighting at a top level guy, it's hard to have that power where you're knocking guys out, you know, early, especially at the at the lower weight classes. But um, I I think if I remember correctly, he adjusted uh, in the most recent fight and he fought uh, a more tactical game and it was a closer fight because of that. Maybe he gets more confidence and, you know, his, his cardio was an issue as well. The weight cut is a big issue for him um, and I'd be interested to see if that plays a part in it. But if it doesn't and if he... Uh, I remember as well, Moreno has had a fight uh, in between this and Figueredo hasn't and if Figueredo has spent a long time preparing for this and as the weight is on point, the cardio is on point and all of that and if he can have more um, confidence, I suppose, in his hands early, that the cardio will last with it. It could be a tough night for Brandon Moreno. But Moreno has proven that he is a top-level fighter over the last few years, and he's uh, he's really good. It's it's going to be an epic fight again, I think, and I, I can't wait for it. And, and the main, I really fancy Jamal Hill in the main event. If I'm being honest, um, I you know two of my favorite fighters in the world, honestly, in in, in Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill. Um, I just think that Jamal will be able to keep it on the feet long enough to show his power and that Glover is smart and intelligent and is really good at avoiding power. But I think Jamal's reflexes and his ability to stop the takedown, push that head down, be loose on the outside, let's say for the first three rounds, I think he's good cardio as well. His body type is, you know, long and tall and, you know, it's, it's more of a, a cycler's body type than, uh, than than maybe a weightlifter or anything like that. I think that will actually be very helpful here against Glover Teixeira because he can stay away, maybe tire Glover out a little bit and then land those big shots. But... You know, never rule out Glover. Never. How would you see that one going? Yeah, like uh, I've always been a fan of watching Glover fight, and it's it, like it's great to see him get to the top finally and all that stuff. And it's 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 be huge for him to win it again here. But I uh, I think I have to agree with you. Probably it's 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 a. Uh, 
it's a tough ask. You know, Jamal Hill obviously hasn't been at this kind of stage before and he's definitely, in my opinion, is a step up in competition from his last, uh, you know, four fights anyway, five fights, all of his fights basically. And uh, it's a big moment for him and will he rise to the occasion and will, or will he, you know, if, if things start going wrong a little bit in the fight, if Glover gets him down early on a, on a you know, a well-avoided punch or kick or something like that, or gets him against the cage and starts grinding his, you know, his stubble, hair, head stubble into him and making it dirty and um, kind of using all of his experience. How will he react? Like, will he kind of rise to the moment or not? I think that's a big question here. Like, if if Jamal Hill isn't quite ready for this shot, then Glover could, you know, make it happen. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. But if Hill comes out and kind of shows all the potential that, he, you know, you've been talking about for years, I think, how many years ago did you start talking about him as a a future champion um you know he could he could come out and do all that and I expect he will but there's definitely still questions there and um if he if he if he gets put on his back early maybe it's a different fight but as you said it's probably more likely that uh he can keep it standing and get some shots off early but yeah Glover's definitely not to be underestimated at the same time and I wouldn't be all that surprised if he did make it dirty and kind of slowly grind on him and you know win the rounds or get a ground and pound or a submission but yeah i think it's 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 hard to pick over here unfortunately and you know his age definitely plays into that as well and the fact that he's already it, it probably doesn't mean as much to him as uh you know it would if he hadn't been to the top before a hundred percent without a shadow without an uh I'm, I'm looking forward to it can't wait i think it'll be uh I think it'll be very, very good. So that's on uh, next Saturday night uh, on uh, on pay per view over in America and on BT Sports here in uh, in beautiful Ireland. All right, we leave it there. Uh, as I said, if we didn't mention anything, if we left anything out, uh, feel free to send us in a question over on Patreon or get us at podcast at gmail dot com. Um, big shout out to everyone as well for the last year uh, coming up, even the last two months before Christmas. Our numbers went up absolutely massively uh, over on uh, over on all the audio feeds, whether it's iTunes or SoundCloud or anything like that. And we really, really, really appreciate that. Or I think our numbers uh, on SoundCloud went up by like twenty percent from last year. I think Spotify was closer to forty percent, and iTunes was something similar as well. So the the support is is absolutely unbelievable. We really, really appreciate it. If you're listening to this as well and you're not subscribed, please do click that subscribe button because I think uh, I, I don't. I very rarely look at our analytics and all of that, but I think it's only like forty percent of people or less, maybe even, who are listening to this are actually subscribed. So if you're uh, if you're listening, please click subscribe. Whether it's you know on your um your uh, Spotify or SoundCloud, your uh, iTunes. Shout out to all our iTunes crew over there. You're very very good. We get lots of uh, we got lots of listens over there. So um, yeah, please do that. It's free and all of that and. If you fancy more, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. We have a podcast every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning. So three additional podcasts every week, at least, at least three every week. And we usually have uh, more as well. And then we have the uh, the early access to this podcast as well. So I think you will uh, you will definitely uh, enjoy that. Um, follow Graham at Severe MMA follow me at Sean Sheehan BA follow the podcast Twitter at Severe MMA pod uh, and follow us over on Instagram as well we would recently passed 2,000 followers on Instagram really appreciate it I think it's uh, at SevereMed.com over there Graham isn't it on Instagram so yeah follow that and uh, you'll get a lot of good stuff uh, over there now we leave it there Graham thanks everyone for listening Graham inspirational quote for the start of the year give it to us 
Try to find me an executive position, but no matter how smooth I talk, they wouldn't listen to the fact that I was a genius. <laughs> we'll see you next Sunday or Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever it is. Good luck.